Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. And we have a great guest with us today. A Terminal Talk top tier. If there is a top tier, he's a tippity top a tier. tippity top tier subscriber. Right. Ray Mullins, who is the senior software developer in Trident. Yeah, not not the. There, we. I have many excellent coworkers as well that are excellent developers. But yes, uh, I am one of the several senior uh-huh. one software of the key engineers or developers or I don't exactly remember what what it is, but it's one of those words that implies I might know what I'm doing Talking. when it comes to computers. <laughs> 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 Programming computers. Typity type person. So before we start, Ray, I want to ask you. Yeah. Yes. Have you ever had a problem that you really wanted to talk to somebody at IBM about? Yes. Now, back in the day, you used to have to do these things called either PMRs or then they made it easier for us to do this thing called ETRs, where we didn't actually have to talk to a person on the phone. You just typed in and hit enter and then waited and waited. And then finally, you'd get back the level one response that basically was what? And you just say, no, just shoot me to level two. <laughs> <laughs> so I've tried unplugging it and plugging it back in. <laughs> yes. <we're laughs> I dialed, what is the huge 999 number from IT squad? That, uh, <laughs> um, but Having listened to recent episodes of Terminal Talk, as, the as podcast, one should, a, a, as everyone, as should. everyone should, you know, the podcast about mainframes and other unrelated items. <laughs> I understand you now have a sponsor. Yes, in fact, we have one that will help people who uh, who would like to talk to an expert. Yes, and why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Frank? <laughs> That's called Expert Advice for Z. That's right. It's expert advice for Z. This is the part where Frank gets to drink his tea. And That's right. Jeff does That's what thing. I was going for. <laughs> right, good. Thanks for teeing that up. Yes, <laughs> expert advice for Z. And uh, as Ray mentioned, if you've ever been like stuck on something and you you could just use a little bit of guidance and you don't want to wait until the next meeting or you know do a whole big thing, uh, you go to ibm.biz slash Z underscore consult. You fill out this little web form that says, hey, here's the thing I, I have some, some, some trouble with. Um, Here's the best way to reach me. Here's the best time to reach me. And IBM will hook you up with an expert in that area to hopefully uh, get you unstuck. Uh, Not a replacement for opening up a defect or your sales rep or anything like that. It's just another avenue to reach out and, you know, um, help you networking a little bit. Yeah, and you get a chance to talk to some real experts, like the kinds of people that we often have on Terminal Talk. Right. People like Anthony Sophia. Right. Or... Some other person, right? Like a Rosalind Radcliffe. Well, there you go, Rosalind Radcliffe. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you and know, many more. <laughs> who knows who else? <laughs> yes, but we're pretty sure that it will be anyone, not us. Yeah, they go through us. <laughs> that's not true. That's, that's actually not true at all. But if you go to ibm.biz/z underscore consult, you can get that whole thing going. We think it'll, you know, it'll help you out a lot. Awesome. Yep. So moving right along. Yes. Uh, what should we talk? T- Ray about today. Yeah, all, all I know is you're you're. Uh, I see your name all over the place. You know, you're you're always you know commenting and posting and stuff like that. And uh, what, what 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 would you say you do? Oh, <laughs> I I am a software developer. I've been on the ISV side for over 25 years. Hard to believe. I know <laughs> I look so young, but I started on mainframes in the you know around 79, 80. And I've been on this wonderful platform that 
was then System 370, through many iterations of you know, operating systems. And um, finally, I jumped over to the ISV side around 91, and I've been there ever since. Did, custom, did my customer support you know, stuff, and then realized I knew I wanted to get an R&D, and that's been doing that for 20 years yeah, plus. We, we've kind of mentioned this in the last episode, too. Maybe, it, or, you know, I don't know what order these are going to come out in, but, like, <laughs> for those who don't travel in kind of the same circles, can we talk about what an ISV is? ISV is an industry standard abbreviation, or ISA, for <laughs> uh, independent software vendor, which basically means that we don't work for IBM. So, or if you happen to be doing Windows, you don't work for Microsoft ah. or things like that. Basically, you're a independent producer of software. So you make aftermarket parts. <laughs> uh, usually, yes. Uh, although I say the product that I work on, and this is the honest truth, that it is called Z Awesome. It's O S C M, but it is pronounced awesome. Hmm. Uh, I take no credit for coming up with that. Um, as long as it's not ZOS um, Millennium Edition. Uh, no. 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 <laughs> or first edition of <laughs> Z. Um, but um, it is actually resold by IBM, as it turns out. We even have a uh, product ID. Wow. Huh. So, uh, so, but um, in addition to developing software... You have a passion for languages, right? Yes. I am uh, for Share, which listeners may have heard of, uh, the users group, which, what is our motto? Something about educate and network and, or it's not an acronym, it's what we do. Yes. Um, boy, I'm going to hear from it. Oh, now. yes. Uh-huh. Yes, I know. Right. Um, but we'll but, send links to this to yeah. <laughs> appropriate people. Yes, exactly. Are you okay with what's being said? <laughs> <laughs> we told Ray not to say that, but he didn't <laughs> But, um, you know, the share is broken up into various programs and projects. And uh, one of the couple of hats that I wear is I am the project manager for languages in LE. Uh, so my area is pretty much if you want to do a presentation that just might involve a language of some kind or another, it'll get dumped into my bucket. So, Whether it's appropriate or not, but it'll still get dumped <laughs> into my bucket. <laughs> so COBOL, Fortran, and that's it, right? Assembler. Uh, oh, assembler. Oh, I'm sorry. Assembler. Assembler. I, I, am an, you know, I am an assembler guy. I learned in the early 80s, and that is still my language of choice. But um, there, don't, forget, for don't forget PL1, right. uh, Pascal VS, okay. and APL. Mm-hmm. Which, Which is an awesome language. It is a totally awesome what, language. What does APL stand for again? A programming language. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's right. A guy wrote a book, threw funny symbols in that, and somebody s- looked at that and said, hey, I think I can make a language out of this. And <laughs> but first we need a special keyboard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, anybody can do it with a regular keyboard. Come on. <laughs> and with a little selectric type ball that goes... <laughs> man, I remember those days. 2741s. Oh, man. That's... Okay, okay, enough nostalgia. <laughs> really? Um, but... Um, no, there are, uh, there are not, you know, it's not just COBOL anymore, although <laughs> I will not deny that COBOL is still one of the most important languages on the mainframe. I think the percents come down a little bit, but I've now definitely over 80% of the financial, financial transactions of the world go through a COBOL program at least at some point mm. in their but, m- but you don't millisecond. Write, you don't write in COBOL though. No, personally, I don't. Other than for um, 
usually for uh, installation verification programs or IVPs, mm-hmm. um, especially with uh, calling APIs where you need to demonstrate that, hey, I can call this routine we deliver from COBOL. Um, and uh, I will say that there has been an extensive modernization program that IBM committed to, to for improving the COBOL compiler. Um, and just for that, I'm going to give a plug to our IBM representative, Captain COBOL himself, <laughs> Tom Ross. Uh. Or Tommy Ross, as he's listed for some reason on the share roster. <laughs> I have to ask him about that next time I see him. <laughs> yeah, it probably isn't something he put down, I don't think. No, well, Captain, <laughs> he got that Captain Cobalt nickname decades ago, and it kind of stuck. Oh, we all know how easy it is to change things on the share website. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he said Come someone at actually... Come at me. Prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he actually said somebody put that in on uh, the internal IBM directory at one point, and it just, you know, kind of took stuck. off from there. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, no, Tom is a, he's a great guy. So COBOL, assembler, PL whatever. PL1. PL1. PLS, PLX. PLX, yeah. Um, but modern languages are now coming to the Z platform. Uh, the um, crew in Toronto has done an excellent job of bringing open source languages um, such as Swift and then frameworks such as Node.js, uh, which is all JavaScript, um, have brought that to Z. Um, and not just Linux on Z either. We are talking about ZOS running under USS uh, processing EBCDIC character sets, but also UTF-8. A lot of Unicode going on there. Hmm. And uh, I'll just say I the reason for my visit to Poughkeepsie this week is the TDM, or the Technical Disclosure Meeting. Thank you. Again, you're welcome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just we need remember. to do my favorite acronym again. Yeah, yeah. it's been a while. We haven't done <laughs> yeah. that Because, um, you know, IBM, as they say, is a uh, TLA organization, or three-letter acronym. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is where uh, ISVs get the opportunity to uh, hear what's coming down the pike in the next couple of years, and... I am under NDA. <laughs> I sense a theme for this episode. Um, NBD. I well, I, I, I mean, I could talk to you off mic about what I've seen about, but uh, there is some very neat stuff coming down the road, especially in the modern languages area and frameworks. So you, you said something that was really interesting to me. Pretend, if you will, that I'm a programmer and write JavaScript. Um, so I, you're saying I can write JavaScript, I can put stuff in Node. I could have, like, um, Express or some other framework running? Yes, Angular, Express. Uh, as a matter of fact, I heard several conversations about that today uh, during the uh, most important part of the TDMs, the hall chatter and the free food. <laughs> right. um, but, yes, um, there are quite a few companies doing that. Uh, one thing that's really going to help is the Zoe Initiative, which I believe has been discussed before on at high or level. mentioned high, yeah, at a higher yeah, level. Yeah, at a higher level, yes. Um, we got to see a demonstration of it because it's not quite 100% GA yet, but it is coming along. Now, it ha- was announced at Share uh, back in August, but uh, yeah, it's a it's it's going to be a great way to bring the power of Z 
to the younger set, and I'm talking about younger than Jeff here, is especially because <laughs> he's already past the yeah I'm, yeah I'm up there yeah you're up there yeah. <laughs> so so let me ask a, a little bit about that. Okay. Do you guys see yourself um, writing uh, the kind of code that Zoe will use on Z, or would you be more exploiting it, or probably a little bit both? Um, well, this. The code that we work on, that I work on, um, is really tied in deep to ZOS, the operating exits and messing around with JES and stuff like that. Uh, for that, there's really no escaping assembler and metal C, the anointed replacement for assembler for those of us that are all, you know, retiring and turning gray <laughs> and forgetting what the heck a Bixel is or a Jixel. <laughs> If you're kind of modern, Jeff Bixler, uh, I think he works on yeah. the entire last year. <laughs> on a different floor, right? Yeah. Um, however, what we're really seeing more is the end user enterprises, uh, especially with mobile. One more acronym that I heard this week a lot of was JSON, mm-hmm. JavaScript Object, Object Notation, I think. Yeah, see, yep. I don't know what that is. You know, well, I know what it is, but I can't remember the whole thing, you know, <laughs> which is just like because XML apparently was too difficult and had too many angle brackets in it, they needed to come up with something with braces and colons and quotes. So we got, <laughs> we got JSON. Um, and, you know, back in my day, we optimized, we, you know, packed everything, packed, you know, binary. We tried to make the data packets as small as possible. In today's world, apparently people want to actually read the data that's going across. So um, your mobile phones, for example, uh, a lot of the stuff they do is they build JSON objects and then encrypt them, hopefully, and then (laughs) pass them to a server, which will even better, hopefully, decrypt them. Right. And, you know, when you're telling it to transfer $152.86 from savings to checking to cover that extra mic that you bought for, uh, <laughs> you know. For the road. For the road, yes. Right. Um, you know, so we're seeing a lot of that. And because the youth of today are learning scripting languages such as JavaScript and Everything now is also, it's not just, jo- yeah, it's not just scripting languages. It, it's all about the packages as well. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of started with Perl, which is kind of left off, but a whole community of subroutines and uh, object-oriented packages was built around Perl, and then as Python became popular, you saw the same thing there, and the same has happened with JavaScript. You have Express, Angular. Um, what was... Somebody was mentioning something... T- I don't remember what it was, the but view? they mentioned, like, well, there's like 750,000 packages for one of the things out there, and I'm just like, wow, are that... Are there that many people with spare time over, you know, <laughs> yeah, overnight and- <laughs> that can, you know, sit there and build these things? But it really says a lot, especially to the op- with the open source community, that they're putting this out there for the greater good of mankind. And IBM, they realized that, I, I think we were talking during the uh, green room session about, you know, why charge for something when you can get it from free from someplace else? Um <laughs> because IBM just recently made a decision to stop charging for something. And 
it's going to help out. Actually, we learned that today uh, or yesterday in the, I think, what was that, the, no, the Node.js support, yeah, I believe? No, yeah, yeah Node.js, I think, has been free as of... October uh, 9th. Yeah, the yeah. beginning of October. That's, that's what the... Um, well, I don't think he's the OM, but he sits above the OM. I, I don't know the IBM titles all that well. That's right. Neither do we. No, that's okay. <laughs> we avoid them if we can. This is true. Because I don't even think I know either of your actual titles. And we like to keep it that way. That's right. good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you, this is this is kind of important. You've, you've mentioned a bunch of different things, and I want to try and hit all of them. One okay. of the ones you, you mentioned earlier on was... You talked about Assembler and the fact that maybe we shouldn't be using Assembler as much. Maybe we should be moving toward Metal C. Can you describe Metal C a little bit to us? Yes. Um, first, I do want to say it's that it's not so much to move away from Assembler, but what, what's been recognized, and it's a th- always a theme, the graying of the mainframe, et cetera, blah, blah, which is one of the reasons why we're bringing modern languages to Z. Um, but the assembler expertise is retiring, or worse. Um, and approximately nine years ago or so, um, one of the problems with IBM's implementation of C, well, it's not really a problem, but it's a design, that it is based on LE. And LE is a framework or infrastructure that really is more about application programming. Um, it became, the, it's essentially. LE or language environment is the common runtime platform that um, all of the major IBM languages, such as COBOL, PL1, C, C++, and Fortran, yes, Fortran is still around, um, (laughs) use in the background when they need to perform calls. One of the nice things about it is that whether you're programming in COBOL or PL1, to, to use really the two major uh, third-generation languages, is that you'll get a consistent result. And it also helps with interoperability, because you can have COBOL calling C, calling PL1, and all of the runtime environment is the same for all the languages. Um, but that is a lot of overhead. And it is you know, recognized you don't want that overhead when you're dealing with operating system exits. Um, and that, that overhead, I'm sorry, just that overhead being the, the LE layer? The LE layer, yes. Um, and it, it seems like, you know, if I'm, if I'm thinking about like from a, you know, like the consistency uh, part that you talked about, always getting the same result, you, you kind of need that in enterprise operating system. Are other languages not built around LE? Or are there any that don't use LE? Um, not anymore. Okay. Um, back during the 90s when LE came out and there was some really painful experiences over the years. Frank knows exactly what I'm talking about here. Anyway. Um, can we do one of those off-mic things so that I can... <laughs> it was... No, it was it, Ellie was, in its inception, was not... Um, well, it didn't perform as well as okay. it really mm-hmm. needed to. And it, it, it had some interesting anomalous behavior. Okay. How's that? That's a good... Oh. And yes, and uh, SOC4 became your friend. <laughs> but uh, just as a background, um, <laughs> LE actually came from the PL1 runtime. And then um, back then, IBM actually did not have a C compiler. Right. Um, I was actually researching this the other day on because they actually, uh, you know, 
sold somebody else's compiler under the covers. Oh, here, this was a fun thing because the compiler, they didn't want to violate Bell Labs' copyright on the C language. So instead of print F, they had like put FMT because they didn't even want to, you know, <laughs> infringe on the name. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but then IBM did start developing its C compiler and eventually you see and then eventually C++ and they started using the PO1 backend which is what became LE. Uh, COBOL eventually came along and kind, you know, used a lot of it but it also used a lot of its own stuff from the history of COBOL and I have to say it was what about 10 or 15 years there were no updates to the COBOL compiler um, and then Eventually, IBM realized that, you know, you're generating code that runs great on a System 370, and you're still <laughs> doing that here on a, on a you know, Z9. Um, and so one of the nice things about the compilers is underneath, they all use the same uh, code generator, so the same assembly instructions, um, and you can also tune... To and also limit your you know, minimum architecture levels, um, and so eventually they took that part of it, which was there for PL1 and for C, and finally basically rewrote the COBOL compiler from scratch. Um, also implementing some of the more modern constructs from the 1985 standard. <laughs> this is in 2000 and something. Uh, Catching <laughs> up? Catch don't don't catch sound up. bitter at all. No, 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 no. no. Um, but. What's happened since then, we talk about the, um, with the modern languages, most of these modern languages are written in C, the compilers are. So when the Toronto lab decides, oh, we're going to pluck the flavor of the month language and see if we can do something with it, it is actually being compiled in uh, LE-based C. Mm -hmm. Um, So... In a sense, these languages, they, they are and they aren't. It's kind of a weird mix because the whole back end is based on LE in the background. Now, going switching back to Metal C, because we're not doing LE, Metal C, in a lot of ways, is like GCC, the, uh, you know, the GNU compiler, where it actually doesn't generate object code, the machine language, it actually generates an assembler program. And then that you feed through the native assembler. There are newer languages I know that generate C code, which do the same thing. Um, I'm not sure if any of those have been on IBM ported to Z yet. Um, Anyway, so Metal C actually has a very lightweight back end. As a matter of fact, a lot of the modules like printf, uh, all of that are actually in the ZOS nucleus itself. And when you make a call to printf, it actually does some loads from the control block and then does a branch. Um, The very nice thing about this is that um, there's really no overhead of loading languages at all. It's very speedy, uh, which is why one of the um, goals for it was to replace assembler language. Uh, unfortunately, there's still a lot missing. Um, for example, system APIs. We have thousands of macros for ZOS system services. 
Um, we still don't have a lot of that in Metal C. Uh, and the way around that would be to write an assembler program that you could call, which kind of <laughs> defeats the whole purpose. Um, so you'd be dropping into assembler from Metal C you, in you, order to... You can do that, or you could write an assembler, you know, subprogram and call it through old-fashioned methods. But yeah, you still need would need to have some assembler uh, experience, for example, to load another module in. If you wanted to load a load module... Yeah, you, there's nothing native in Metal C that would allow you to do that. Um, actually, LEC does have that, but, but again, LE, that. we don't want to deal with LE in the operating system because it's too slow. Yeah, when uh, back when they let me write programs, um, it was, again, early in the LE world, and, and before there was Metal C, there's what we call System Programmer C. Yeah. Which was kind of the basis for Metal C, and which is kind of the stuff that, that I would end up doing because we needed to have stuff happen fast and, and reliably, reliably. But it's amazing how often you just wrote an assembler and, and just called it from, hey, I'll just I'll put this real neat connector into C, and then, you know. Yeah. And so you're saying that... 15 years, 20 years later, we're still kind of doing that? Yeah, we we are still kind of doing <laughs> that, unfortunately. Um, so is there is this a temporary thing? Do, are, are we all, as a community, devoting resources yeah. to changing well, that? Um, the, the larger ISVs, I've learned, um, have, to, to get it, be, because they are ISVs and they can, spend money to do this is they've written their own assembler routines. They've built their own mini runtime environments where they can make these these function calls. Um, for my example, I did a uh, session and share in St. Louis about converting one of the more notorious IBM Samplite exits. Um, it originally was going to be a how-to, but then it became kind of a user experience because I ran into a lot of frustrating roadblocks. For example, the one that I mentioned, a, a load. You know, And if you're trying to sell something as being a replacement for assembler, I shouldn't have to drop into assembler to do something to cover that. The other major glaring uh, missing item is C header files for the many mapping macros that exist. Um, I did uh, the one exit I worked on was actually one of the SMF exits, and I took the SMF30 record and I ran it through the supplied IBM desect converter. And Peter Relson, Mr. ZO, one of the Mr. ZOSs, and, <laughs> and, and I disagree. I, I think it's a bug. <laughs> he says it's working as designed. However, he admits that the DSEC layout definition has a problem <laughs> that's causing the LE uh, DSEC converter to basically drop field. But it, but it's working as des designed. Yeah, says. it's working. Yeah, he says it's wad working as designed. And I say, well, if it's working like that, that that's not what I'm expecting. Uh, <laughs> the the great IBM, I think he's well. I'm sure he was a DE. I'm sure he was a fellow. Mike Kolishaw, the the uh, father of Rex. Uh, he has a thing called the principle of least astonishment, and that's <laughs> and that's really how he wrote Rex. Is that if you write something. 
you know, it should produce something what you expect. Right. And that's the you know that's the problem when I run it through a program and I don't get a field defined. Um, you know, and all my subsequent control block offsets are off wrong right. by two bytes. Yeah, you know, that's that, kind of important. That's, that's astonishing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, there was a share requirement. There was also an RFE put out that, hey, we need these. And I will say that Mr. Relson is taking that horse by the reins, and there will be something coming out eventually that have you know, these desect header files. So, I was working in design. He's changing the design. Yeah, completely unrelated. Well, completely unrelated. Well, <laughs> actually, now see, L, uh, the DSEC is out of LE, which is a completely different department. But ah. what he has done is it, they are, uh, he's looking at changing, this is what he told me, is that changing some of the definitions and looking back at these macros, which some of these haven't been changed in 40 years. Yeah, they're old. So, uh, or you just use a different set of parameters on the LE thing and it does generate the. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So, so your your current job role is you're you're working at Trident. Yes, I'm working at Trident, and we know somebody else over there too. Uh, do you, <laughs> Bob, do you, somebody. Yeah, Bob. Uh, um, uh, I think he's pretty good with computers yeah. or something yeah, like that. I've saw, heard about him. I don't. Yeah, know. I saw him yesterday. He was uh, hanging around the TDM, like you know. Well, hanging around, you know. So because <laughs> that's Bob, you know. You, he's networking. He, he, he would. Yes, he he may no longer work directly for IBM. But uh, <laughs> but the TDM is still Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Yeah, he's and it's good to see him around there. <laughs> you know. So do you guys collaborate on stuff? Uh, is is yeah, he your boss, or how does that work? No, actually, he's in a uh, he's in a different area. We use his uh, knowledge of performance to try and sell our stuff. Okay. Um, so yeah, we don't we don't work together at, at all. Probably mm. not a lot of people work with Bob. No. Is, yeah, mm, this is true. <laughs> But like what what is what kind of stuff does does Trident put out there in case people are wondering? Um I mean I, I know Trident mostly from the booth at Share and the hand you know, handouts yes. and stuff like that. Um no we <laughs> to our our little you know program pitch here is we, we do this it's called Z Awesome and originally it started of a, a kind of a re implementation of something called the Bellin mods for Jez two, which oh, wow. was uh We've heard of these. We've heard of yes. these, yes. <laughs> Which was basically job networking before job groups. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it kind of grew from there. We've got a lot of uh, user exit management um, where you could have multiple user exits at an exit point, which I, IBM eventually did bring that into ZOS. Um, we also have HSM management um, reporting. Uh, especially so you know that you're migrating way too many files to, <laughs> to ML2 tape. to tape and then having to bring them back, you know, the next day because your parameters are set too strongly. <laughs> um, so that's... So uh, we, we've talked about a bunch of different languages. We've talked about uh, COBOL and Swift. Assembler and Swift, and we spent a little bit of time on JavaScript and Node. Uh are there are there languages that are on the horizon that you think we actually let, let me phrase say? it this way because okay. I have I have some forethought here is that Ooh, this this episode will be coming out on uh, if everything goes according to plan 
uh, December 31st. So this will be the New, New Year's, Year's Eve episode. Okay. What do you foresee for 2019? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, that's that's a good question because, honestly, I don't know. Um one of the things with languages these days is they seriously are changing. Um, currently, there's something called Haskell, which to me is the name of a street nearby where I grew up back in the Los Angeles area. <laughs> oh, see, uh, I thought you were going to do a whole Leave it to Beaver. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that there. too. Well, <laughs> I think actually that street name predates Leave it to Beaver by you about stay 40 away from years. That Eddie boy. He's trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, however, um, that one I haven't seen yet appear uh, anywhere, certainly not at a technical disclosure meeting, but who knows what the folks in Toronto are looking at and prognosticating. Um, but then again, you know, in two years, Haskell may be passe, and we may have something may be taking over the world that we don't know about <laughs> no. yet. You know, it's it's just merely fermenting in somebody's mind at this point. It's it's amazing what, as far as languages and, and you know, frameworks and all that, the stuff that has come out of absolutely nowhere and the stuff that has had resurgences python is you know if it was a celebrity it would be on its like fifth resurgent right now it's <laughs> it's it's you know, every single thing where there's been a need to script something but maybe add some structure to it then you know what python fits into this again <laughs> yeah and what's again talking about packages and routines and stuff i mean for uh, just data analysis python became the language of choice uh, we have at, at Share. There have been several sessions, and there will be at the in Phoenix at the next Share, um, talking about you know data analysis and using Python. Um, it's it, it's amazing, but again, who knows? You know, if Perl six ever drops, <laughs> it may be back. Yeah, it might be back. Well, there's some really cool um, capabilities within. Python that lend itself to uh, not just analytics, I think, but a lot of the the types of things that people have to do to manage systems. So it seems to me that it's a language that that has important staying power uh, across platforms, right? Yeah it it does have a great scripting capability. Um, you know, you think about our earlier days uh, when Rex came out. Because it was definitely better than C list and Exec two, <laughs> <laughs> and again it, it became the scripting language of choice for the IBM System three hundred and ninety operating systems. They not just MVS, but DOS VSE, uh, VSE ESA, and you know VM ESA. Uh, Rex was originally developed for VM uh, CMS and. Somebody said, hey, this looks great, and boy, it beats the pants off a of C-list, so we should <laughs> port it over to uh, MVS. If you want to give uh, Jeff some fun, you should tell him to go debug a C-list. That would be a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's some serious pain that's, right there. Yeah, that, that's yep. extremely painful. <laughs> yeah. We shouldn't do that to him. No, that's, I'm just going to laugh like I know what that even means. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, I think we're hitting the bottom of the hour here, um, mm -hmm. so I want to thank you, Ray, for, for coming and talking to us. Um, this is 
you know, languages is something that I think no matter what platform you're on is important to you. Uh, I, I think that the message of, hey, we can do the old stuff, we can do the new stuff, is a really important one for the platform. Right. It, exactly. And we can take modern languages such as Swift, which was something developed by Apple, port it, run it in Unix system services on ZOS, and uh, I will put in a plug for one of our sessions that uh, we're going to have in, um, in Saint, uh, no, Phoenix <laughs> is... Yeah, we did say it, but uh, the title intrigued me. It was basically having to do with building the basics of your iOS app on Z huh. using Swift. Oh, that would be neat. And uh, that was from one of the, um, actually from one of the people in Toronto. So, I, you know, again, for plugging for share, those are the type of sessions we want to do. as not just telling you what's coming, but how to do something. Right, right. And, um, yep. Yeah, I mean, there will always be there will always be COBOL and PL one, and when you come right down to it, it all boils down to assembler anyway. Um, but you know, that's uh, as long as we can make the ecosystem accessible to more and more people, and you know, developers getting into the uh, you know coming out of college or not even college, they you know self taught JavaScript. And they say, oh, you know, game, you know, I've had enough games and stuff, but I, I need to actually have an income. So, um, and gee, there's this nice big, you know, computer environment that, you know, all my checking and stuff goes through, you know, maybe. Maybe I should be check, checking. That. That's so 1960s, isn't it? I right. mean, now it's all. Whatever app, I can't even keep track of the apps anymore for sending money between people. Venmo. Venmo, yeah, Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, Cash App, yeah. Bank of America has its own thing now. You know, everybody's getting on board. And but again, all of this stuff is written in Java, which you know, Java's been out for twenty years, and it's been on the mainframe for fifteen. Yeah, so hmm. it's it is it's, a new legacy language. Yeah, and it is. And actually, I'm kind of surprised we forgot about Java during this whole conversation. But uh, Java. Java drove a lot of the modernization of Z. Uh, a lot of the instructions that were added over the past decade were to help speed up Java, which should also kind of tell you something about how slow Java could be back in the day. <laughs> yeah. But now uh, even you know, IBM says, and I'm inclined to agree with them on this uh, from the marketing side, is that the best platform to run your Java code is on Z. It's faster than anything else out there. It is pretty cool. So if you're writing any Java, you should buy a mainframe. There you go. Yep. Any Java, even any if you're Java. doing it for your toaster or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Or you want your refrigerator to uh, tell you it's time to buy enlightened ice cream bars. No, that's not a plug. Or Dippin' Dots. Maybe <laughs> dip and dots. buy your Dippin' Dots. Yes. Dip and They're dots. the ice dip cream of the, of the future. The ice cream of the future. <laughs> And the official ice cream of Major League Baseball, apparently. I saw that, yeah. Yes, it's. <laughs> it, it, I've been to three stadiums this year, and there was at least one Dippin' Dots card there. <laughs> Dippin' Dots is funny because the, their their official Twitter account is not verified. <laughs> okay, I think we've gone as far as we're going to go on this episode. Covered about everything. Everything. About. Yep. Okay. Would you like to do the honors? 
Old Man Charlie, take us out. Close enough. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.